Alright my peoples, this is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounce. This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. I'm going to get you Friday morning and in an extension your weekend started off right. Uh, we're going to start off with the first, uh, well we're going to start off first with the word on the street as we always do. And it looks as though House Representatives has vo have voted in favor 245 to, 180, to 182 in favor of a resolution that would overturn Trump's national security call. Uh, 13 Republicans also voted, voted in favor of this resolution. Now it is up to Senate to go ahead and uh, and check that and go along with that. But Trump has already decided that he will veto any resolution uh, that Congress comes up with. And if that is the case, uh, this resolution will need to have a two will need to again get a two thirds need to get two thirds reports from all of Congress, meaning the House of Representatives and the senate uh this is a quote that i find is interesting though uh this is coming from republican senator sam tillis i'm sorry tom tillis from north carolina uh he goes on to say as a conservative i cannot endorse a precedent that i know future left-wing presidents will exploit to advance radical policies that will erode economic and individual uh freedoms now i find this quote very interesting because again it is coming uh, from a conservative uh from a republican Republican. So you figure, uh, you know, we have a Republican president, uh, we have a Republican-backed Senate, uh, you would figure they would have his back, not necessarily uh, to some of these, to, to some conservatives, I'm not saying all of them, because there are certainly uh, some that uh, have decided to go along uh, with Trump's veto, but there's already a few uh, vocal uh, vocal, uh, vocal representatives that are against this, but I, I what, from what I'm what I'm getting from this comment here uh, by Senator Tillis is that he feels that you know if 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 Trump is able to have his way with his wall and go to the extreme you know to whatever extreme that is, he's saying that the next you know Democratic president will also do the same in terms of something liberal. Now we don't know what that is, but of course you know something uh, probably you know who knows who knows. But uh, apparently there's already those divides. Uh, of course, there's always been divides amongst conservatives and liberals. But again, you're starting to see where there's. Uh, somewhat of a divide. I've been saying this for a while now between the Republican Party. Uh, you're starting to see this pro-wall faction that Trump is trying to push. He's been trying to push this. Uh, they've been there, but however, you're seeing a growing contingent of people who's getting tired of the mess. They don't want none of the, the hangups in Washington right now. They kind of want things to operate smoothly. Uh, they've been seeing kind of what happened. Well, they saw what happened with the shutdown for 35 days, and they're trying to avoid something like that. And uh, don't get me wrong, the the argument that the Republicans pushed in the beginning, the national security, uh, the national security argument is still there. They're still worried about crime coming into this nation through you know illegal immigrants, but it does not seem to me that they're willing to commit that much you know that much money. At least because Trump, of course, was talking about five billion dollars for that part of the wall, which I think is egregious. Which I'm starting to feel that many of the Republicans are starting to see that that you know it is egregious, especially when we. Have have so many ways in which we can uh we can actually uh combat that here or we can actually put in less money and still get the same results five billion dollars for a wall for a wall along the mexico border uh just to fortify that i, I five billion i don't think it, 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 in my opinion i mean of course I don't know logistics and all that, but I think the 1.4, I think it was 1.3 or 1.4 billion that Congress uh, eventually uh, actually actually decided on earlier this month uh, was actually would actually suffice as opposed to five billion. Again, five billion dollars is egregious, especially when we're you know when we will be told eventually that we are in debt, we, we are in debt to these certain nations. Then why are we spending five billion dollars on a wall? That's where the next question is going to come up in. So I get it. There is a split amongst Republicans now, basically among, about this wall. Uh, they, they do not seem well. And, and again, uh, the, and as the days go by, it's more vocal. You'll start to see a more vocal Republican contingent that is against this wall. I'm not too sure what what Trump's solution is now, uh, but it looks as though, in my opinion, uh, that the Senate will eventually vote for this resolution and it will be on trump's you know watch to either veto it and once he vetoes it again like i said the it will go to a vote between uh the senate it will be on the senate and the house of representatives vote and it has to be a two-thirds remember two-thirds majority between both parts of congress so i mean 
there is there is a chance that after the veto it could all fall apart again it could it could slip up again that's what trump is hoping he's hoping that if he vetoes it again there's no way that they could be two-thirds control or two two-thirds uh, two-thirds uh, two of the congress in favor of a resolution uh, that would stop the emergency he's hoping that everything kind of breaks down right now he forces congress hand and i guess either they close down again because they don't they can't get along or uh, the, the majority of Republicans or the rest of Republicans sign off on what he wants to do. So it looks to be a stalemate right now in Washington, and it doesn't look to be an end in sight at the moment. Moving on uh, to trying to go into some other Washington news. Of course, we all know about Mr. Michael Cohen, Trump's former campaign lawyer. He was being questioned uh, by the Senate, of course. Uh, we all know about his trial that is going on right now. Um, I'm going to start off uh, with the first uh, thing that I was able to, well, the first important point uh, that I saw, and this was referring to Trump's taxes. Uh, this was a quote said by Mr. Cohen himself. Uh, he went on to say what he didn't want, uh, not being President Trump, was to have an entire group of think tanks that are tax experts run through his tax returns, and they'll start ripping it into pieces, and then he'll end up on an audit, and uh, he'll ultimately have taxable consequences and penalties and so on so we already get an idea of why we have not uh, we still have not seen Trump's um, tax returns I think this is important everybody is trying to you know find some way to uh, excuse this or what have you uh, whether it's not important or not and the first thing some people will say well why is it important to know about what's in another man's pocket well for your information uh, suck up we all have to pay taxes taxes taxation without representation is a coin is is you know pretty much what made this country or what you know decided to inspire the patriots that we keep hearing about in our history books to do what they did so if we're being taxed by somebody who a isn't necessarily representing us per correctly or you're paying their own taxes for that matter then what's the point uh, a lot of the information though that cohen was um was inevitably uh well, it did inevitably give us on Capitol Hill was information that we already knew. He pretty much confirmed uh, the checks that Trump made to, you know, Stormy Daniels and also to himself in order to keep the situation quiet. But those of you who do not know, um, of course, Stormy Daniels uh, was also another uh, adult film actress that Donald Trump had dealings with. It was Michael Cohen's job to keep that under wraps, to keep that quiet during the during the course of the campaign. Uh, now, uh, Cohen was also also went on to explain that Trump was fully aware of the what of what WikiLeaks was of uh, you know was what leak, WikiLeaks excuse me was up to in Hillary Clinton and all the uh, email that they said that they found. Trump was aware of all that. He pretty much knew what was going to happen, and we all know that was you know pretty much bullshit. You know that whole WikiLeaks situation, especially a couple of days before the election, was already we already knew what it was about. It was used to undermine Hillary's you know candidacy. Anyways, that's all it was used to do. Uh, again, like I said, a lot of this information he gave us, people already knew. Uh, but and like I said, and to and to further going on that, Republicans and Democrats both believe uh, this really won't have an effect on Trump as it is, or at least how they pursue, at least for the Democrats, how they're already going to be pursuing him and eventually going to going to try to come up with a to come up with a plan of impeachment uh, once they hear everything out from Robert Mueller. That's pretty much the Democrats. Uh, that's their that's their strategy right now. They're going to they're going to keep, you know, pe uh, questioning him, uh, trying to reveal some things. And they'll wait on what uh, special counsel Robert Mueller is going to find out that in Ru that Russian uh, the Russian investigation. So they'll wait on that. And then after they after they get their information, I think they'll be able to make a decision on whether or not they want to move forward with impeachment in terms of Trump. Again, it'll be a little bit hard since they do not control the Senate. Uh, but like I said, that is their that is their that is their goal right now. Um, and uh, for the Republicans, they're basically uh, they're still in support of Trump. Uh, the majority that is uh they are pretty much going to discredit at least on a legal level they're going to try to discredit mr cohen uh throughout the process uh they pretty much done that already they're already referring uh well he's already been referred uh to the department of justice by members of the gop for what they claim to be perjury uh also but i, I with that being said I, I think a lot of this is true again it's already a paper trail uh mr cohen was also was also able to bring in a check uh, that Donald Trump wrote 
you know, for him in order to keep things, you know, under, you know, hush, hush. Uh, so there is a paper trail. There is uh, some some evidence of Trump misdoings. Uh, they have not been able, well, at least from my, from what I've been able to gather, they have not been able to finish the Russian investigation yet. But there is some 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 sort of low level corruption here. Um, but if, again, another quote that I'll take. Uh, this is from a, a GOP operative by the name of Doug. Uh, hey, uh, he went on to say accepting things like this was a big part of the buying on Trump. Uh, so I'll leave it at, at pretty much. I'll leave it at that. Pretty much people knew what they were getting into when they were dealing with Trump. They understood that there would be some some negative aspects to him. But for obvious reasons uh, or for for maybe just the anti Hillary reasons and just we were just so, just, just so tired of Obama reason. They say we'll take a chance. It's worth it. Um, basically. You know his 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 uh his constituency is okay with the with the false deeds that he's been doing, and uh and even you know what if and to, for what it's worth, um, that part I you know I the the negative the drama at least with the the, the paying off of of you know porn stars and all that, that for in in its own uh for for its own uh its own situation I. I won't give him, the, you know, I won't, I'm more so critical of what he's been doing as a president, you know, the, the side, the extracurricular activities, like I said, with the Stormy Daniels, that's, that doesn't really ire me. Uh, my issue about it was that he spent so much money to keep those hoes quiet and to pay them hoes, but at the same time, he only gave the working class citizen a 2% tax credit. And then you'll have Republicans themselves saying, we don't want to give people a bigger tax credit because the working class a bigger tax credit because they'll go use it on booze and prostitutes. I've heard I've heard a GOP lawmaker say that referring to tax returns. So when I hear that, when I hear that from a GOP senator, uh, somebody who makes the laws and, and, and feels that way, and I turn around and look at the president who's willing to just pay hundreds of thousands of dollars on hold, and I'm saying, well... Why are we being hypocritical? It's just hypocritical, pretty much. And I don't like the hypocritical. I don't like the hypo the hypocrisy going on, and it's uh, and it's distracting from the bigger issues here. Now, finally, before I move on, I got one more big story. Uh, this one is closer to home, and there is another teacher strike going on in California. This time, it's going on in Oakland. Uh, it's been going on for almost a week now. Uh, of course, uh, teachers have been offered uh, an 8.5% raise. However, they're going to want about 12 just through the price of living and the cost of housing here. I can see why. Uh, same situation we're dealing with in L.A. Like I said, high housing costs, high cost of living. It's making it very difficult for teachers who do not make uh, really ends meet in a lot of in a lot of cases, especially new uh, new teachers. Now, the Oakland Unified School District reports that only six percent of kids are showing up for the classes, and they are losing a million dollars a day. So at this point, it'd be about five to six million dollars in total. Now, negotiations did resume Monday. But they really uh, they they talked to them about ten o'clock p.m. But as far as I know, as of today, Friday, nothing has really uh, been agreed upon. Um, now the stu the the school district uh, met up with the teachers as well as state superintendent Tony Thurman. Now, of course, he uh, was elected last year in that election. This is a very important time to see what Tony's gonna you know chance to see what you know. Tony Thurman is going to do. Uh, there's been a lot said about him. There was a lot said about him on the campaign just to get to this point. Uh, just things that he overlooked, uh, you know, last time around. But this is a good chance for him to 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 actually do something. Um, and finally, that the school district is already planning on cutting uh, twenty-two million dollars worth of revenue. So that might mean, uh, well, for for one, they are definitely closing schools. Uh, they are reducing class sizes. So we already have issues here. Um, again, the teachers need to get paid and I'm not too sure why, you know, school districts and just cities in general and, and state governments are so lax in terms of their, their, uh, funding of schools to the point where it's almost basically like schools or school districts are basically left on their own devices. Uh, again, this is why our school system is not as good as it is if we were to rank it on a international scale. We're only about 16th. Uh, not all of our students go on to college. They either can't afford it or they can't go because they haven't been given a proper education. This is the, this is the biggest issue here, especially for minority uh, children. Schools are the pretty much the first line of defense. Um, 
in terms of, you know, the crime and the poverty that they have to face. So if you're taking away the schools, if you're not providing adequate enough teaching for these students, then basically you're telling these 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 future these future children, fuck you. Pretty much. We don't care about your education. You obviously don't because you'd pay the teachers. You'd give them a situation. You give them adequate classroom sizes, adequate money for supplies. And we don't have that across the board. You can sit there and keep saying that we're broke. Okay, well, if if that's the case, um, actually invest in the future by investing in your children. It'll come back to you. Educated children will have money and they'll be able to pay your dumbass taxes, California. You're not educating anybody, so therefore nobody is going to get paid nothing. So you'll be in a situation like you're in now, California. Nobody wants to pay you. Everybody's moving. Nobody wants to be here. I'm not too sure what, what California... Calif I'm not going to lie to you. Just through all the teacher strikes that I've been seeing the last few weeks and the housing crisis in general and just all that I've seen, I'm starting to say this. I'm just going to say it right here. This is kind of an overrated place to live. I'm just going to leave it like that for now. California is kind of overrated to live in. But for now, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'll be going over some college basketball. Uh, I'll be going over some, uh, well, we have it. Well, the tournament's coming up. March Madness is coming up. So we're going to be going over some tournaments, uh, some tournament seedings right now. I'll be going over the top four seeds for today. I'll also be going over some of last night's scores as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And like I said, I was going to talk some college basketball. We are in March, so we only have a few days away until the tournament is upon us. Uh, for you, for those of you not know about our the big tournament in the NCAA world, uh, every year there's a tournament held in March between 69 teams to determine the national champion of college basketball. Again, it starts off with about 69, 68 teams, and it dwindles down to 32. Uh, then the Sweet 16, which is the best 16 teams in the nation then you have the elite eight uh, then you've had the final four and then you finally finish off with a national championship like i said there are 69 teams that will 69 teams that will be participating in total uh over the next couple of episodes i will be going over the top uh eight seeds and also uh, we'll be going over some bubble watch as well basically the teams that uh have some work uh to get into the tournament they may or may not make it. Uh, we also will be going over the conference championship. I'm sorry, the ch uh, the championship tournaments for the conferences as well. Uh, at the end of the year, there's always a regular season uh, champion of a conference, which is basically the team with the best record. Then they also have a tournament. Uh, the tournament is usually, uh, you know, you get some extra hardware for it, uh, but usually it's for it's pretty much for tournament season uh, uh, seating, really, uh, and just you know, you know. Uh, uh, eligibility factor if you're able to go through that that conference tournament uh that the conference tournament you pretty much have a good shot at making making the uh ncaa tournament but before we get too far away with explanations uh let's just get right into it i'm gonna go like i said up today i'll be going over the top four seeds uh, uh also like i said top four seeds and just giving you guys a little bit of information on who they are uh let's go through these top number one seed seeded teams right now uh we have gonzaga uh 20 27 and 2 coming out the west coast conference we got virginia 24 and 2 coming out the acc as well as duke they're both coming out the acc and then you got kentucky they are 24 and 4 so these are all the teams that are uh, seated at number one right now uh the tournament will basically be in brackets of course uh and they will be the, they will be playing the lowest ranked team in each bracket, so the number eighteen uh, in each uh, in each uh, bracket. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about these guys here. Gonzaga pretty much has the easiest schedule of pretty much anybody in the number one seed that has a number one seed. Uh, Duke has two has has lost two of two of his last three games without Zion Williamson. He is out with a high ankle sprain. Uh, they will be playing North Carolina in a rematch March the March the ninth. So that will pretty much be a determining number one seed game. It will also determine pretty much who wins that ACC title. Um, I do believe believe that Virginia actually is in that mixed up for that conference title as well. Uh, I, you know, I think Virginia probably does have the best defense of all the teams up there uh, in the ACC. However, Duke scores about 80 point, about 85, almost 90 points a game. So they're good offensively. So uh, look for these teams to pretty much hold on to their number one seeds at the moment. Uh, that can 
Kentucky, they have a rematch against Tennessee at some point this season. So that may, well, I would say within the next couple of days. So that may go, uh, that may, that spot for Tennessee might be up in the air. Uh, but for now, those number one seeds seem to be on seems to be seem to be in lock uh the number two seeds we have four of them as well uh they will be playing the number seven seeds in each bracket uh we got unc aka north carolina coming out of the acc we got michigan state uh they are 23 and 5 as well they're coming out of the big 10 as long as 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 her uh, along with their state rival michigan who's right up neck and neck in, uh with them in the big 10 uh they are at 24 and 4 and like i said i mentioned them before we got tennessee they are 24 and 3 uh they are in competition with kentucky to get that that first seed though so uh don't be surprised i already talked about uh, earlier this week, uh, when I when I went through the rankings, that for now, ten, uh, Kentucky took that spot from Tennessee with their win uh, a couple days ago. Uh, so follow follow me follow follow through with me on that. I'm gonna keep you guys updated on you know, especially for my fans, my college basketball fans. I'm gonna be keeping you guys uh, up to speed on this stuff. So uh, that that number four or well, that number two seed, uh, it will be going back and forth. It will be fought uh, between Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, some notes here. Uh, Tennessee had a good win uh, on Wednesday. They were able to beat Ole Miss uh, 73 to 71 out there in Oxford. Uh, they also will play Tennessee today, uh, so that will be an important game to see. Uh, that would, like I said, that will go into that will go a long way in determining who gets that number one seed. Of course, LSU is in the mix for the SEC title, so it's a three-way race for the conference title and it's a two-man race in the SEC for that top number one seed for the tournament. Uh, moving on, uh, let's talk about these number three seeds. The number three seeds, of course, we playing the number six seeds in the tournament. Uh, let's go through these guys right here. Uh, we got Houston. Uh, they are number eight in the nation. They are twenty six and one coming out of the American Conference. We also got number ten Marquette, twenty three and four coming out of the Big East. We also got Texas Tech. They are also ranked as well, number eleven. And remember, all these teams that have a rank at, that are seeded right now, uh, whether it be a, a first seed or a fourth seed, they're all ranked right now within the top 25 so they're they're you know pretty much the cream of the crop this is the point is to find the best team of the best uh we got texas tech like i said 22 and 5 coming out of the big 12 and finally we have lsu uh coming 23 23 and 5 out of the sec of course a lot that i've been saying about the sec they have a chance to possibly win a a, a a national championship this year. Uh, we got LSU in the mix who can also, uh, with that being said, they're 23 and five. Uh, they're a game behind Tennessee. I also believe a game, yep, yep, about a game behind Kentucky, game, game and a half behind Kentucky as well. All three of those teams have a shot for that number one seed, and it will come down to who, in my opinion, I think who wins that conference outright, whether it be the whether it be uh, through the regular season, whether it be who has a better record, or who's able to, who's able to win in that conference tournament, that'll probably be your uh, your winner of that number one seed coming out of the SEC. Um, Houston is on eleven. Sorry, Houston is on an eleven game winning streak, so they're looking really solid right now. Uh, they do not look to be slowing up anytime soon. I think they just finished the year with one loss. Uh, which will be amazing for them. LSU, of course, like I said, is in the running for the SEC title, and they already have wins against Kentucky and Tennessee, which bode well for them uh, in terms of finishing out the year and also going into that conference tournament. Uh, we also got Marquette. They did lose to Villanova on Wednesday, 61-67, to uh, but they are still in the mix as long as they don't lose a uh, subsequent game. I think, no, actually, I think they have a pretty uh, solid re lead right now. Look for them to maintain where they're at right now. Uh, that's probably one of the few teams that I that I see holding on to exactly their exact position between now uh, the end of the year and also the conference tournament uh, for our number four seeds uh, we got number 15 Kansas they are 21 and 7 coming out of the big 12 they had a big uh, a solid win against Kansas State on Monday uh, we got Purdue, 20-7 coming out of the Big Ten. We got Nevada, they're ranked number 12. They're 25-2 coming out of the Mountain West. And then finally, we have Virginia Tech. They are 22-6, and and they're coming out of the ACC. So the ACC is getting a ton of love here. They got a ton of representation. Uh, so they're looking like one of the premier basketball conferences as well. I personally think, you know, the SEC, just because of the talent that they have on their teams, though, their squads, though, I... I I think, man, uh, 
Well, both conferences are good. We'll see when the tournament starts. I'm not going to say too much there. Uh, but Kansas does have an opportunity to move up at least a seed. We'll see how they finish the year out. Purdue also has a manageable schedule. Uh, they have two two out of their three next games. Their last three games are going to be all at home. Uh, well, like I said, sorry, sorry about that. Two of the two out of their three last games will be at home, and all three of those games are going to be against teams that they have all, that are unranked. And again, two of those teams they've already beaten. So this will be a pretty much an easy route for them for Purdue. Look for them to do something there. Virginia Tech. I think they might be one of the few teams to drop. They play in a difficult conference. I don't think they go far in that conference tournament. Probably a first-round exit, in my opinion. So look for them to possibly drop to a 5 to possibly a 6 seed. But that's my opinion. That's my opinion. All right, y'all. Before we wrap this up, at least for the college basketball aspect of this, we're going to go over the scores from last night. Of course, you know how I do. I go over the top 25 teams, and let's get it started. Uh, number nine, Michigan, was able to get it done against Nebraska. The final score there being 50, I'm sorry, 82 to 53. Uh, 20, number 24, Wofford, out there in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We uh, most recently mentioned them. They made their first appearance on the top 25 this year. Uh, they were able to get a win against Chattanooga out there in Tennessee. A, the 54 is going to be the final score there. Uh, let's go over the stats real quick for that one. Uh, for Wofford, they were helped out by their forward, uh, Cameron Jordy, at 14 points, 10 rebounds, and also 2 assists. Their guard, Fletcher McGee, had 18 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists. For Chattanooga, uh, they got help from their two guards, David John Baptiste. He had 10 points. Also, Jonathan, Donovan Totley had 16 points and 6 rebounds. Uh, Wofford moves on to 25-4. and four. Chattanooga is now at 20. 12 and 18. Moving on, uh, the number one team in the country, Gonzaga, uh, put in some easy work against the Pacific. 86 to 66 is the final score there. And finally, you got Washington losing to Cal in a game that they really shouldn't have lost. Uh, the final score here is 76 to 70, uh, 73. Uh, of course, uh, let's go through the stats on this one as well. For Washington, they were led by their two guards, uh, David Chris, 33, uh, 32 points, excuse me, uh, three assists, and also Jalen Noel, he had 22 points. Uh, their their star defensive player, Matthias Stibul, he really didn't show up. He only had about six points. Uh, really, yeah, yeah, trust me. Um, and if we go through these stats here for Cal, you'll understand, like, he... He's supposed to be, you know, you know, Fabio was supposed to be this guy, was supposed to be this top uh, defender, you know, coming out of the, the Pac-12, supposed to be stopping everybody. Washington was supposed to be, you know, this this up and coming, you know, team that just made it into the top 25 and they might have a shot at the tournament. Ah, not after this game. I, I, I did not like the way that they played, uh, but let's just get into Cal, what they were able to do. Uh, Darius Menil, he had 19 points. Uh, for Connor Vanover, he had 18 points and 70 re uh, seven, seven rebounds, excuse me. And uh, their other forward, Justice Suing, had 14 points, eight rebounds, and six and six. Cal, of course, is at six and 22. Washington was at 22 and six. Again, I did not like that loss for Washington. Um, even if they, in my opinion, when I see a loss like this, even if Washington was able to to, to make it uh, to the tournament, just a loss like that does not bode well for me. I just feel them losing early um, because who loses to a six-win team, really? And I and mind you, Cal was at home. Cal had some of the home crowd there, you know, if you want to give them that. But, again, you don't lose to a 6-22 to a six and 22 team when you're on the bubble as is. Um it's hard for me to take Washington seriously right now, and the Pac-12 in general, uh, in terms of this year, has not has not been up to par. And I'll be the first person to say that Stanford hasn't really uh, um, played up to expectations, and Oregon has fallen off off the wagon. And I'm sad about that as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who of the Pac-12 is gonna make it to the tournament. I still, I think the money is still on Washington, but they just look so bad right now, and I don't, I don't know how well they do in the tournament. Just looking at what I see right here. All right, y'all, I'm gonna take another quick break, and when I come back, uh, I will be, I will be wrapping everything up. I'll be going over some NBA action from last night. I'll also be going over the standings as well. Gonna be talking some playoffs, uh, and then finally, I'll be talking some uh, baseball. Bryce Harper has a new home. You may or may not be surprised about where that's going to be, though. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. Hey, we jamming. All right. We're going to keep it loose for Friday. We're going to wrap this up. You know how we do. 
I uh I got some NBA action to go over. Uh, we're gonna talk some playoffs as well. Uh, but let's go over these scores real quick. Uh, first and foremost, we got the Magic getting somewhat of an upset because it don't really mean nothing. They still suck this year, but they got somewhat of an upset against the Warriors, 103 to 96 is gonna be your final score there. Just a question. This is a gimme game by the Warriors in my opinion. I don't. I don't know why they would lose that game. Uh, not much to read into in my opinion. At least I won't read into it. Uh, just one of those losses that you have. 96-103 is the final score there. Uh, we got the T-Wolves. Um, they lost to the Pacers last night, 115-122. Uh, let's talk about the final Let's talk about the final stats there. Uh, for the Wolves, of course, Carl uh, Anthony Towns had another monster game. He's been having a few lately. Uh, the past few games, he was throwing, scoring like 35-32. Um, Something like that. 36 in one game, I think, versus the Kings. Uh, well, last night he had 42 points, 17 rebounds, and also four assists. So, um, I don't know if he's as soft as Jimmy Butler wanted to say. Uh, maybe he just didn't have the right, you know, the right situation around him. And, of course, um, you know, a performance like that, you'd love to see the young man get a, a, a W if you're scoring 42 points. Uh, but, again, the team around him, you know, is especially without Jimmy Butler, is, you know, I think it leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Teague was a, the second highest scorer uh, last night for the Wolves. He had 13 points, six rebounds, and five assists. For the Pacers, uh, they were led by their uh, their big man, Bojan Bogdanovic. 37 points for him, seven rebounds, and also four assists. TJ Leaf had 18 points and three rebounds off the bench. Uh, moving on, we got the uh, Cavaliers getting it done against the Knicks, 125 to 118 in a battle of two garbage Eastern Conference teams. Nothing to read into there. If it was last year and LeBron was still on that team, he probably would break that game down. But no, it's not important now. Uh, the 76ers was also, were also able to get it done against the Thunder. 108 to 104 is the final there. Uh, let's go over the stats there as well. Uh, for the Sixers, they were led by their small forward, Tobias Harris, doing a lot of good things since he was traded there. Uh, 32 points, 5 rebounds, and also 3 assists. Jimmy Butler, the old guard, he had 20 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. He's everybody's big brother. He has big brother tendencies. He just... I would like for him to stay. Hopefully, he stays with the Sixers for a while, helps them build something. Uh, the mentality, I still kind of am, and and I'm a little bit down on him uh, for what he did with the with the uh, Timberwolves. Of course, that probably wasn't his team that he wanted to play for, so on and so forth. But just his mentality there, and just what I heard, just the, the trouble there, and even now, uh, every now and again, with his attitude with the coach there in uh, Philadelphia, I just think he just needs to calm down and just. Just be happy for a little while. Just win and be happy. Accept it for what it is. You're a good player. The team around you, the, the teams around you for the most part, uh, with the exception of those bull teams, they've been solid. Just win. Just win and be happy. Smile a little bit. I saw him on the cover of, of Sports Illustrated recently. He finally cracked a smile for the first time. I'm like, bro, good for you. And then win some more games. Uh, moving on, uh, we got finally we got the Jazz. Uh, they were able to get it done against the Nuggets. Now this one is somewhat of an upset as well. Uh, one eleven to one hundred four is the final score there. Uh, let's go through the stats of that one. Uh, for the Jazz, they were led by uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he had twenty four points, eight rebounds, and also five assists. Kyle Korver was able to get twenty two points, three rebounds, and also two assists off the bench. And Rudy Gobert got sixteen points and eighteen. Re I'm sorry, eight rebounds. Excuse me. Uh, for the Nuggets, uh, their uh, power forward, Will Barton, got 21 points, 13 rebounds, and also three assists. Jamal Murray, Murray excuse me, got 21 points, four rebounds, and three assists. And their big man, their other big man, their center, Nikola Jokic, got 16 points, 13 rebounds, and also seven assists. Uh, moving on, let's go to these, uh, these standings real quick. Uh, starting in the Eastern Conference, we got the Bucks, uh, 47 and, one, and 14. They are the number one seed right now. For the playoffs were to start tomorrow. Um, pretty much, I would give them a favorite. I would have them as a favorite to win the East. Uh, they look to be the most balanced team, and the good, the, the cold part about them is, well, I'll explain. I'll explain when I get to the Celtics. I'll talk more about the Bucks when I get to the Celtics. Uh, moving on to number two, we have the Raptors. They are currently at forty-five and seventeen. The Kawhi trade has been working for them. That team itself has been working really well. Kyle Lowry, uh, Pascal Siakam, uh, they're all doing. They're all doing their part. Uh, you also got Serge Ibaka there, who. You know, has turned out the clock just a little bit, at least two or three years. Still looking to be looking almost like OKC Serge Ibaka. So, uh, really, these really good squad. Um, 
the question we'll see, the question we have here is, you know, can they beat can they beat the Bucks in a seven game series? Because I pretty much can see those two. I'm pretty much seeing those two facing each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, yeah, but the question is, can they? I mean, who wins in that series? I don't know the question that yet. I need to watch more of those two guys play. Uh, we'll move on to number three for the moment. Uh, we have the Pacers. They're at forty-one and four, uh, forty-one and twenty-two. Uh, this is despite not having Victor Oladipo. I like the way that they're playing. They're young. They're happy. Uh, they're young. They're 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 scrappy. That's what I meant to say. And they they might be happy with each other too. They play like a good team. So who's who's to say? Of course, we got Bojan Bogdanovic getting points in the paint. That team is is just so balanced you got miles turner on that squad as well uh so i like the way that they're playing again uh i don't know how far they travel within the playoffs but i would say now that they're definitely getting a pass the first round they'll be playing they'll be playing the pistons no i'm sorry they'll be playing the nets in that first round i can see them getting past the nets in that first round as of today uh moving on to number four we have the sixers again they're looking to come together um I think Jimmy Butler needs to just let things go and be and accept things for what they are and just keep on winning, keep on striving. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there, I mean, as far as I know now, is a lot of the drama has stopped. He seems to be positive. Like I said, I saw him on the cover of Sports Illustrated not too long ago, smiling with his teammates. He looks to be happy. Uh, I just think that team just needs time to grind. Um, of course, you know. We thought the process or the Philadelphia fans were hoping the process would just get them the best players ever and that they would come together and just be st storming the NBA. But again, the East has improved. A lot of people in general have improved. Shit, even the Nets have have improved just a little bit. Um, you know, so everybody's trying to eat. Everybody's trying to get better. You know, the, pay uh, the Sixers just have to keep on, keep on, keep on keeping on uh, for them. Uh, keep the chemistry up, you know, because we already know where Jimmy Butler can go and i think at this point in time they're in a position now where they need all the positivity they can get it doesn't matter whose role is what they need to keep on winning if they want to either move up or maintain what they're at and number five we've got the celtics there at 20 uh, 37 excuse me at 25 uh really disappointing this year uh of course last year's there's that dynamic between you know uh Kyrie and everybody else uh the Jalen browns and the terry rosiers of course because this team has made it already made it to a conference championship without Kyrie. so now you got Kyrie, he's taking a step back. Uh, there's also talk about Kyrie wanting to leave, wanting to go somewhere else and play next year. Uh, of course, there was that contingent out there that's still saying that he could end up in New York with Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. Uh, again, we'll have to get there. When we get there, we'll see it. Uh, for now, the Celtics, they're not playing at the par. I'm not too sure whether it's coaching, whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's lineup changes or however have you, a lot of people aren't getting the same burn they used to, and therefore, uh, uh, burn by burn, I mean playing time, and uh, by that, and because of that, a lot of these players are not looking the same that they looking the way that they were last year. Jalen Brown has fallen off somewhat. Uh, Terry Rozier has fallen off somewhat, only because he's not getting enough playing time to keep to keep those skills up. In my opinion, I still think he, they both have have skills that they that team is is really deep in all reality. But I think they don't get a lot of burn. Enough, a lot of people don't get enough burn on that squad so they can get their skills together so they can stay consistent. Terry Rozier does not get enough time on the on the court. I'm sorry. Um, and, and because of Gordon Hayward, a lot of people are not getting enough time on the court. So uh, just again, it, it's just a matter of of cohesion with them. It doesn't look like they've really blended together. Forget, you know, how good they are, you know, who's on that squad. Do they like each other? They're not. They don't seem to be happy playing with each other. They don't seem to be uh, a team. They just seem, seem to be a, a group of individuals who happen to wear all wear green and white. That's where I'm at with them right now. Moving on to number six, we got the, the Nets in here at 32 and 31. At seven, we have the Pistons at 29 and, two, and 31. And then finally, bringing up the rear, we have the Magic at 29 and 34. Moving on to the Western Conference, we got the Warriors, of course, on top, 43 and 19. Uh, of course, they dropped the game last night to the Magic, uh, but that's not going to, uh, in my opinion, that doesn't do anything. It's just one of those gimme games they give up every year. Uh, they're still looking to be in the driver's position 
in terms of the Western Conference. I uh, definitely like the number two team, the Nuggets, uh, 42 and 19 here. Uh, they have a lot of depth. They're young. Uh, it does not look like anybody is in the, t in, in the midst of any contract discussion. So they'll be keeping some of these people for a while here. And uh, if they don't get it done this year in terms of a, a conference championship, they will definitely be in the running next year, especially if uh, Durant leaves the Warriors. Uh, so uh, definitely they're looking they're looking to be like the number one, uh, the number it's the Spurs. Uh, they they look like the Spurs. What the Spurs used to be, right there next to the Warriors, um, competing with them, giving them a challenge. We'll see how this playoff run goes. I definitely think they make it past the first round. They'll be playing the Spurs, so it'll be a good chance to see uh, just how far they come along. At number three, we have the Thunder. They're third. Uh, they're currently thirty-eight and twenty-three. They're definitely in the mix for a top seed, in my opinion. Uh, Paul George having one of his best years. Uh, Russell Westbrook, they can, they can say what they want about his efficiency. He's definitely a, a reason as to why this team is winning the games that it's winning. I will not take that from them. Again, he's averaging a triple-double again for the third, 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 third year straight. The Thunder are looking really good. Uh, they're definitely going to win that Northwest division, in my opinion. Well, no, well they're tied with the Blazers, so that could, that division could go either way. But this this conference is just so uh, competitive. I mean, of course, we got number the, the Blazers at four right now in the con in the division, or uh, sorry, in the conference. Uh, but they're tied with o OKC for what it's worth, and that's with Evan Turner on that squad. That's with Rodney Hood on that squad. So you know, I, I think. You know, a lot of these teams, uh, especially with the Blazers, I mean, they're like one good player away. I mean, just looking at what I'm able to see right now, we're able to have a, a game lead on the Rockets. Uh, and they got James Harden and CP3 and the Thunder. They got Paul George and and Russell Westbrook. I, I like the Blazers right here at number four. Uh, I definitely think we can take it to the Rockets if we were to play them in a playoff series. I like that series. I don't. I don't. I like our chances in that series. I'm sorry. I don't. James Harden can can score all the points he wants to. I don't think they have any defense uh, to the point that they did last year. And I'm not buying Chris Paul anymore. I think he's he's aging. I think that team in itself. Is is a shell of itself. Uh, they're not. I mean, of course, you got Harden scoring all the points he can in the world, but that's a, that's that's a one trick pony. And I think if you can't, you can't, you can't in a series with with Portland, they're not gonna be able to to, to out, James Harden is not gonna be able, able to outscore C, uh, CJ and Dame in a series for for six games. I I don't believe it. I I don't believe it. You can bring him, bring him, but it's not gonna work. I think the Rockets could beat the Jazz in a playoff series, the Spurs possibly in a playoff series, maybe even the Clippers. But the Blazers, Nuggets and Warriors, no. I'm gonna say it right now. No. Sorry. I'm just gonna leave it like that. And uh y'all can argue with me at a later date. At number six we have oh number five, speaking of the Rockets, they are sitting here at number five, thirty seven and twenty five again they not beating the Blazers, in my opinion, in the playoff series. All they have is James Harden. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. We can argue. I'm not a Houston fan. Let's go. At number six, we have the Jazz, 35 and 26. Uh, again, they're looking to be in the mix as well. Uh, they got Donovan Mitchell, of course. And I think they could also catch the Rockets, really. I'm just saying. They just have a lot more going on for them outside of James Harden. I don't like teams that are just strongly, that are just headed by one person scoring the ball. I don't, I don't like that concept. Because I just feel like when that person's not up to par, or if everybody on another team is hitting on all cylinders, what difference does it make? That's a whole team that's doing something compared to just one guy that's going to score Come on now. The rest of these teams, I mean, especially within the top four, I think every other team in the top four has a better squad overall. Overall, if we're talking top to bottom, every team in the top three, uh, even the Blazers, in my opinion, have a better squad uh, than the Rockets. They have probably the best score right now. But in terms of we're talking about squads in general, I, I'm just top top four better than the Rockets. Uh number seven, we got the Spurs, 34 and 29. Uh they're looking to be a little bit they're looking a little bit disappointing too. Uh they've had a tough road stress. Uh DeMar DeRozan and, and Marcus Aldridge, both of them have been having their work cut out for them. Um they're tied up with the Clippers right now. Both of these teams, you know, the Clippers were, we all know about the Clippers earlier this year. They were on top of the conference uh, at one point. Uh, they've fallen apart. Well, they, I, don't, I wouldn't say they've fallen apart, but, you know, um, I, I, get, I would say that the conference got, has gotten a little bit more uh, – at least the teams in this conference have gotten their stuff together, and it's and it's and it's showing. Um, the Kings were in the mix at one point; they're kind of they're kind of you know losing their ground. So a lot of teams that you know 
a lot of teams that we pretty much knew were going to have a spot are, are now holding on to their spot and they're getting their spot. So nothing really to be surprised about here. We pretty much saw this, you know, happening. I, I, I'm i pretty sure everybody had the Warriors on top. Uh, maybe not the Nuggets at two, uh, but I know that the, the Thunder and the Blazers were going to be pretty much in the mix. The Rockets were going to be, should have been in the mix. Of course, we probably didn't see the night number five right now, but they're, of course, going to be in the mix. Um, and, of course, the Jazz, the Spurs, these are all teams that we pretty much knew were going to be here. The Kings threw us off for a second. Uh, the Clippers, they had a run for a minute. They were on top of the uh, conference, the Western Conference, for a moment. But things worked themselves out, and you see where we are now, where we figured we would be. <laughs> now, before I uh, move, uh, before I... Uh, wrap everything up for today i have one more big story to talk about of course we've been waiting on this for a while now uh, especially since manny machado uh decided to sign his contract but it looks as though mr bryce harper has decided to take his uh his talents to philadelphia he signed a 130 million dollar 13 year deal with the phillies a couple days ago and there will be no trade or no opt-out clause um, just this is and this is pretty much the biggest contract being signed uh, as of now, uh, especially after Giancarlo Stanton's 13 year, $325 million extension with the Marlins, which eventually became the Yankees because that's where he got traded. So, I say $130 million for Bryce. No, that's $330 million. Sorry. So, uh, 13 years in Philadelphia, no opt out, no trade clause. <sighs> They, I mean, I guess Philly really wanted a winner. They, they wanted to be a winner so bad. Um, of course, Bryce Hopper is a MVP, league MVP. He won that in 2015. His numbers, of course, there, uh, 279 uh, average, 279 average, 184 home runs, and 521 RBIs thus far in his career. He is 26. Uh, now this year he will have, uh, he will be paid 30 million dollars in salary and a signing bonus. So he's getting paid. He's going to be getting paid at least 20 million dollars throughout the whole entire. Uh, his whole entire contract a year, uh, so he's getting big money. Uh, my thing about it is just on a on a baseball standpoint and what it means for you know the Phillies and all that. Um, looking over that roster again, and you know I, I don't want to you know it's just hard to say. It's, and I have the same question uh, with the, with the Padres. It's like y'all made these big splashes. Uh, y'all wanted to get these 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 well known names and everything. Now, if you look at that Phillies roster outside of Bryce Harper, I'm sorry, I don't think that that roster gets you. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I like the pickup. I don't want to word this. Here we go. The Phillies were in contention for that AL East up until at least the last couple weeks of the season. That means they had a they had a capable squad. That means they could have made the playoffs, but again, they fell apart. Atlanta wins it. I'll be honest with you. I don't see where Bryce Harper pushes them over the over the hump. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I still think they're a playoff team. Possibly, I I, you, I I can't even say that they're a favorite to win the AL the NL East. I mean, you still got Atlanta there. Uh, of course, Washington takes a step back, but without him, I mean, they're still kind of the same the same team. They're still a borderline playoff team without them um who else we have in the NLE of course you have the Marlins and 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 the Mets who of course they're not in the in the discussion but I don't think this makes the Phillies an outright winner right away and I still think they have work to do and hopefully they still have some signing cap to work with and uh that's that's my best bet for them because I, I even with this this pickup uh we've even we and we saw what Bryce Harper was able to do the last few seasons uh with Washington um and they're in the same they're in the same division as well um he's had decent numbers uh he's there but they're two the, the the main point that i wanted to say is uh there's also been a drop off in those numbers and two it's not like he's taken uh the nationals anywhere past the first or second round either so you have that and then uh you have i mean you so basically you pay i mean you pay for a good player don't get me wrong he, he the numbers don't lie i'm talking about the overall the big picture impact um where has where have the Nationals gone with him? I don't think bringing him in just automatically makes Philly a winner. Uh, I think uh, it 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 I mean it definitely boosts boosts their chances. 
Uh, but again, I just don't see who else is on that roster to really warrant, oh my God, this is a big move. I, I, I think, you know, for the money, you know, Bryce Harper made a decision for the money and he took it. Uh, and I think that's that part about it is fine. But from a Philadelphia Philly standpoint, does that make you a War Series contender right away? No. No. I, I Honestly, I still think they finished third in the division. I say it here. Even with Bryce Harper, Philadelphia finishes third in their division. And they they are a French playoff team. That's the best I can give you. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna call it a wrap for today. And my next episode, I'll be going over some college basketball. Of course, I'll be going over the rest of the uh, top eight rankings, uh, the top eight seeds of the tournament. We'll also be going over some top conference tournament action as well. I'll be talking to you about what that's about, what that process is, uh, previewing uh, previewing some matches for you guys for that for that conference for the conference tournaments. And then um also want to get into some football news as well. Uh, Nick Foles has a new team. Uh, wanted to get a little bit more into what that Robert Kraft situation is. For those of you who do not remember, uh, Robert Kraft was arrested last week in a prostitution ring, and he has been charged, if I'm not mistaken. So we will be talking more about that and also the world on the street and whatever of course, whatever news comes my way on that realm. All right, y'all, we're going to call it a wrap for today. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Y'all take care. One love. Peace out. Oh, and if you're looking to get in touch with me, hit me up on Facebook at L Jamal Ajani. That is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. The same for the Instagram as well, L Jamal Ajani. If you would like to support me and give me some help out, I am also I do have a, a PayPal account that is under my name, L Jamal. Of course. Get, that'll be a big help. Uh, more so, I'm looking for some interaction. If you're liking what you're hearing, please hit me up on Facebook. Please hit me up on Instagram. Reconnect, connect with me there. I'm all about trying to, you know, connect with some people, understanding where they're coming from. Uh, just trying to talk to everybody. Um, yeah, and go from there. Trying to really take this to the next level, guys. So any uh, advice, any you know, suggestions, uh, please feel free to talk to me. Uh, this is this is the perfect time to do so. And it's perfect since we're all, you know, socially social media connected. Like so, uh, please, uh, uh, if you do, if you don't have if you don't have anything for a donation, that's perfect. Just interact with me. Give me a hi. Say hey, how you doing? Uh, good luck here, or uh, work on this. I like to hear this. Can you talk about that? Anything you need, come talk to me. I'm around. Um, like I said, much love. Y'all have a good weekend.